Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and many other things. sat on the floor because I've, I've realized I don't have an office chair because I took it to my office <laughs> and so I'm just on I'm just on a plaited rug on the floor <laughs> looking like some sort of like you know the Beatles you know the Beatles went a little bit sort of Indian um, yeah 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 hippie spec it's a bit I feel yeah. a bit like that um, because... or you're at Johnny's Japanese restaurant that you've just opened <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shoes yeah. off, sit on the floor, oh, food's delicious. Johnny Sushi Yum Yum, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's loads of amazing pigeon English translation, it's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Great hope brings imagination, sashimi. Um, so you've got your new office, you have a, You actually have like a separate off-site office, or rather we do. an office that's not in your house That's anymore. right. The Late Break Show has a real HQ, which is not the kitchen table, and it feels great. It's a small timber um, hut, I would say, on on a farm. Great view. It's bijou, darling. It's bijou, and uh, it's, fun. it's just horses and, and a lake everywhere, so it's great. It's probably a bit more inspiring than the spare room, and um, but I'm not going to record the podcast from there. Because it has to maintain its authenticity, but as a result, I realised this morning I totally have left it, my chair and my lead from my laptop charger, <laughs> and all the all the major things that you need in in business and yeah. commerce. So yeah, I'm a bit of an amateur, but it's okay because I've got a rug around me, so it's okay. I'm really excited for you uh, by proxy to have a separate office that's not in your house because I think for the self-employed freelancer that's that's a sort of little slice of the dream but i'm also a bit unsettled that you sent me a picture to show me how small the loo is at your new office oh, and then yeah. i realized that you must have taken it while you were sitting trousers down on the loo having a poo yeah and i was sort of sport my enjoyment of the picture <laughs> i thought that- although i do take your point it does look like a very small loo oh honestly the 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 toilet in our office it's it's all it's a new it's a new building and a, and a new pan it's all good but it's mm, very small to the nice. point where yeah the, someone's put a towel heater style radiator you know the big chrome tall ones yeah but the room is I actually measured it I think it's <laughs> two and a half feet by four and a half feet so it's <laughs> so, so basically hang on how wide are your shoulders. Not, luckily, I'm not a broad man. Honestly, if I was a rugby player and I went in there, I'd never come out. That would be it. I'd have to smash my way out through the partition walls. I'm trying to think who's the most broad-shouldered person I know. I can't think of anyone. Well, um, I, all I know is that 
you, if you put the, 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 the radiator on, the towel heated radiator, bear in mind, it's an enormous radiator for a tiny room, which I don't entirely understand. Uh, it, I know. I was going to say I'll put the picture up for patrons, but I won't because it's, it depicts you... Well, it depicts your legs, certainly. Well, it's just bare legs, pants and trousers to the In the act the of floor. defecation. Yeah, but I'm not... You um, can't see detail. There's no grit, <laughs> there's no grit on and there's no brown. <laughs> so it's OK. Maybe take another picture for the patrons it's, and we'll stick it up yeah. on, the, on the Patreon site. Um, I did used to know a bloke who had no shoulders, and it was, it was doubly no unfortunate. He just had no shoulders. It was like he went from the base of his neck, sort of his his shoulders were so sloping. It just looked like he hadn't got any shoulders at all, like a stick man. What like the, like the beginnings of a, pa- a folded paper aeroplane? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. He was like well, he was like the second phase. You know, if you're doing a sort of proper paper dart, you do the one fold and then you do the second that's really sleekens it out. And it was like that. He was very sleek. He was the second. He would fold. have been going forwards, lying down. He would have been quite aerodynamic, I think. He could have been good at the luge. But his, his jackets were always trying to fall off. Well, worse than that, he was the saxophone player in my housemate's band. And of if you want to carry your sax around, you often have a shoulder strap. But this was no good to him. <laughs> it was sliding off. What? So wh- and I, I subsequently worked with somebody who it turns out went to the same university as me. And I said, oh, you went to the... Uh, and they, uh, Do you remember the bloke with went, no shoulders? Well, somehow it came up in conversation. I said, oh, I used to know some music students. I used to know a, a, a saxophone player. And she went, did he have no shoulders? And I went, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> so she, she, she remembered the same the shoulderless saxophonist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. The shoulderless gosh. saxophonist is a great pub. It, yeah, it probably so, is um, actually. It was one of the first I knew about to get the rainbow flag outside. In the in the nineties, yeah, they used to do one. those um, flavored vodkas that you just realised it was like Skittles vodka. If you just got a bottle of vodka and dropped some Skittles in it, yeah, yeah, we have actually. Yeah. Oh, awful! You get that sugar high, but with the with the sort of the toxic backlash of forty two percent booze. Yeah. Oh. Oh, speaking of the nineties, yeah, I was in Bristol yesterday. Oh, magic. Oh my god! Sorry, I mean, mega. We, I'd have to say mega. Yeah, no, mega. mega. <laughs> Wicked. Oh, that's that's clean, mate. That is that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sound. We've said before. People probably know. We've said before. We, we've established Bristol is Britain's most nineties city. Well, let me tell you, my friend, it did not disappoint yesterday. Within ten minutes of arriving, I saw two white people with dreadlocks. <laughs> And Brilliant. moments later, I saw a man dressed entirely in Aztec print loose clothing. <laughs> loose, oh, I love that. Honestly, so it's, loose, so it's, billowy. It's it's such a it's it's a wild, colourful pre-internet city. Yes, it's brilliant. Um, it is so many straggly beards. Like you realise, the beard has changed over the years. The accepted style of beard and the hipster beard now is full, voluminous. Possibly with a Trixie moustache sort of bit of styling, yeah. but it is not straggly. The the Bristol beard is still straggly. I bet there's no vaping. I bet in fact there's an anti-vape no. movement. It's all but still roll ups. Pro- a lot of roll ups. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to yeah. say there you go. You and see. a faint smell of weed. Oh, and there's loads. I've got. I've. I've. I think you know. Um, what did you? You sent me a message the other day when I said I was going to go to Bristol and said that it's the law that you have to listen to Massive Attack. You have while- to you're actually in the city 
But what I realise is, you know, they say that like true Cockneys, proper Londoners, you have to have been born within the sound of Bow Bells. Yeah. And I think in Bristol, you have to have been born within the sound of the bass line from Sour Times by Portishead. Dum, this is true. Dum, dum. And you just hear it at all times across the city, just faintly in the background, just like it's coming from another room. Is that Sour Times? I think it is. Oh, I like this track. Have you, did you hear anybody's phone ring? Because maybe they, everyone's got the same... Maybe everyone's got unfinished sympathy as their ringtone. It's never going to have the same gravitas as a song. No, everybody looks again. at their phone at once. You're in a coffee shop. And... Like, oh, is that me? It's ruined that anthem of the 90s great well, track I love, I love it is an amazing track I, I do love Bristol as you know and I, it's a nice place isn't it it is a nice nice city I mean it's got a good it's good eclectic to it. it's eclectic in a good but way it is absolutely without question the most 90s place in Britain <laughs> I Unless, did I warned you I warned you knows more. I know well I, it's like I, I had noticed it when I'd been there and then you you were the one who pointed it out but going back again I was like oh hello yes it's just confirmed it's, it was it. it was it was it was how quickly I think the first time Pokemon Go was released um I was mm. in Bristol the weekend it was all it all kicked off um yeah but uh, they were still playing Game Boys weren't they? Well, they were this is the, this is the thing so on the one hand you had sort of quite international should we say looking students walking around looking at phones and pointing at walls yeah. And, then, and then, and I don't know, whooping for joy when they saw nothing in, in, in on the street next to really confused-looking people wearing army surplus gear. And then, <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. You know, I messaged you yesterday and just uh, combat trousers. There's so many combat trousers in Bristol. Oh yeah, everybody's Hell got yeah. extra pockets on their trousers unless they're Aztec print, super loose, silky ones. It's, incre- it's, it's, it's amazing, it's, amazing place. It is an exciting city. But what a handsome city as well. Very handsome city. Lots of lots of really good buildings. It's Britain, San Francisco, Rich. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Because it's because if you think about the the, the huge um, scale of it, the up the hill, the hilly nature, um, and next to a next to a good port, and it's quite cosmo in so many ways and quite arty attracts yeah. an art movement mm. I think it's quite yeah. San Fran interesting yeah, it's basically I mean, we saw this big building at one point really big impressive building and I said to my wife I wonder what that is and she's like I have no idea and I bet it's not even anything important it's just Bristol's got like really good buildings to spare it's probably like a public loo or something but they're just <laughs> everything so many really really striking handsome buildings it's probably someone from a nineties band's. Um, yes, yeah, that's Tricky's house. Yeah, that's it will be. It It'll be someone who's not quite well known anymore, but BBC Six Music still champion them. Yeah, and that's it. I can't believe we've, we're, we're, we're ten minutes in, eleven minutes into a podcast or something, and we haven't even mentioned any cars. It's quite bad. It's par for the course, isn't it? I'll yeah. tell you what I did see in Bristol. It's in in the same area, but not in adjacent streets. I saw two. Land Rover Discovery 4s, both of which had sunk so far <laughs> on their air suspension, they developed massive negative camber on the front wheels. Oh, nice. So either they'd just not been used for a long time or they were in a state of malfunction. But either way, there were two. And they were sort of far enough apart, I think it wasn't the same person who has a Disco 4 collecting habit. <laughs> I think it was just something else we haven't quite figured out about Bristol yet is that it's a very 90s city but also it's a city where discovery four owners don't use their cars disco slam 
It's a disco, disco slam. slam. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> oh, sorry, disco. That's a disco. Bristolian lowrider. Disco slam. This was in the um, this was in the Clifton area of the city, which is you know, sort of very shishi, uh, expensive part of town. And and uh, maybe that's it. Maybe those are Clifton lowriders. The Clifton lowriders sounds really good, and they they're all in discos, and they convert them to rear wheel drive, and they put sort of very oh. dr- drift orientated negative camber on. Drifto disco. Yes. Yeah, Drifto disco. Exactly. That's it. Oh, well, we're a drift disco now. would be quite something. And they would they do like you know didn't was there a trend for um, drift cars? They used to well actually for modified cars generally out of Japan. There was you list all of the aftermarket parts makers that you've used on the door. Yes, you do. But these are just like look like standard. So it'd just be like Lucas Bosch. All the boring um, stuff. <laughs> AP, yeah. Lear Systems. They made the seats, you know. Um, so, yeah, really boring, really, for corporations you've never heard of that aren't, don't sound impressive. I don't know. Rimmer That's, Brothers, you've, you've, yeah. You've identified a trend that I missed. These are the Drifto Discos. Um, is clearly big in the Clifton scene because it's like on the one hand, yeah, we absolutely love to go drifting, but we also we need to get the kids uh, and their friends in to go and see the rugby. So uh, the disco is perfect. That's right. Or oh, we've also got a small holding just south of Bristol, so we must oh. visit that now and again. And obviously the disco. I wonder is the if have people there. gone a bit allotment crazy in Bristol like they have. Yeah, it's sort of allotment trend in some places. Drifto disco allotment crazy. That's the graphic that would be down the side of it with Jap- <laughs> Jap- Japanese symbols. Yeah, it's just Japanese, just kanji writing, but it says allotment down the side. <laughs> I'd and love the other that. Side, it's it's just got like artisanal bread. Oh, I'd bloody love that artisanal bread. Oh. <laughs> See, oh. I kept it on Bristol, but I brought a car into it, so we're okay. We're all right. I've I've written a list of things I want to talk to you about, and it, I've got quite a lot that I wanted to cover this week. Um, oh, sugar, just because. Right. Well, talking of discoveries, I've got a correction to make because last week I read out that thing from the Land Rover website about the Discovery Two and said they, there was this what appeared to be a half-assed bit of copy that said. When the Discovery 2 came out, it had a locking differential, but the connection or the, the, the linkage was disconnected. Well, that turns out to be true. I can't even list the names of all the people who've pointed this out to me on, on the socials and on YouTube comments and emails and stuff. But yeah, when the Discovery 2 came out, Land Rover seemingly had decided that because it had more electronics on it than the previous one, it didn't need the locking centre diff. But it still had it, presumably just because it was like easier to do that than to develop a non-locking one and risk a, another unproven part. So it still had a centre diff that was lockable, but had no means of locking it. Well, it just sat on, in, in the chassis, just waiting It just sat in the nothing. chassis. And then, I gather, sometime during that car's life, they stopped fitting a lockable centre diff because it was redundant. There was also... People realised it was still lockable and started retrofitting ways to lock it, the hardcore off-roading crowd. And then, in the last couple of years of that car's life, they reintroduced the diff and a way of locking it from the factory. So that, that thing on their website, although it's quite badly expressed, is actually true. So thank you to everybody who set me straight on that one. God, I did not know that. The other thing I was going to bring up, well, this is sort of book review corner, because I've finished a couple of books recently, uh, factual car-based books, which I wanted to just recommend because they're both really good. Um, the first one is Secret Folds, Volume 2. Folds! By Steve Saxty. 
uh, which is is fabulous. Is um is it's just uh, it picks up where Volume One left off. Volume One kind of covered the sixties and the seventies and just into the eighties. This one picks up in the early eighties and takes us right through to the focus and that sort of era focus rs and it's just looking at some of the design dead ends and and styling exercises and experiments there's a whole thing about what was going to be the focus the original plan was just to reclothe that awful mark for escort oh my gosh and they realized they had to do better and they wanted the styling to be quite brave but then they realised that they couldn't <clears> go as far as they wanted on that khaki old escort. Hang on, what mark was it? What was the last escort? Mark six, wasn't it? Yeah, did they call it Mark? I can't remember because then basically, do you remember it came out? It was the Mark Four, and it was incredibly bland, and it got loads of shit for being bland. And this book actually sort of explains how that happened, which is interesting in itself. I won't spoil it. But Everyone it's, was asleep. A whole, yeah. Basically, they just stuck the previous escort on a photocopier and enlarged by ten percent, and then went home. Uh, and then, um, yeah, then they gave it. They realised it was so shit that they gave it some engineering upgrades and gave it that fish face. Yes, and I think maybe that's that's just called the Mark IV facelift, or some people call it the Mark V. I think the Mark V was when then they gave it a prettier facelift with a slender grill and smaller headlights. And yes made it much less cack to drive apparently because <laughs> all these es- these escorts are the ones i try to forget as much as possible I, all i remember is that brian may did the driven by you song which ford used in the yes. advertising when was that yes uh that early was 90s? i think early 90s yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so it's got all that story in I it i bet you still got one Oh yeah, because yeah, he got, got it for free. He's just, he got it. He, <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with it. They were like, just have it as part of the contract, Brian. That's uh, all right. I've got a card. No, I don't want no, it. No. no, really, it's, it's it's already on the lorry. It's coming over to your house now. Oh, but I, I'm I'm out. It's Burgundy. Come on, it's coming. Yeah, it is the non-turbo diesel. I'm afraid. Brian. <laughs> oh, <God's laughs> the one that no one wants. Nobody the one that farmers that. may or may not run on cherry, naughty cherry, yeah. now and again. <laughs> I think Brian gets access to cherry, though, because uh, he's got a badger sanctuary, so he, can, um, he oh. can claim it. So on the one hand, nice you know, c- c- uh, conservation enthusiast, but also mm. a bit of a naughty tax avoidance cherry runner. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's really got a badger. Section, no, but, I mean, it's the kind of thing he would do, maybe. Well, he's I know he's very busy. enthusiastic about badger preservation. He does love the badgers, doesn't he? Um, does. So anyway, uh, yeah, Secret Folds Volume Two, very good. Uh, the, my favourite story in it is that just before the Focus was launched, like about six months before, um, Jay Mays, if you remember him, was installed as the new boss of design at Ford, and he came from VW Group, and he arrived. They showed him the Focus perilously close to production he went i don't like it really he got yeah he got his main studio in detroit to redesign the focus using the sort of vw thinking of the time which is you know very sort of tight radius clean simple so it just sort of totally cleaned up the focus none of the little tricks and little bits of ornamentation so it looked more like an audi basically and there's pictures of this this styling model in the book but this he did this just before the car went on sale, which I think is sort of morale-wise, is a bit. I mean, it's a bit rude, isn't it? It's arriving and going. You know that thing you spent years working on. 
Eh, shit. Here's how you should have done it, lads. And they go, piss off, Jay Mays. Rude bastard. So, and actually, weirdly, the this, this styling model looks a bit like the next Fiesta. So you could sort of see how he then just went, okay, well, because management went, you know, it's too late to change the focus. It's going on sale next year. We've ordered all the tooling, you prick. So he didn't get anywhere with that, but he, he was able to use his sort of design style in that mark. Fiesta with yeah, the, I, I think suppose. that's a good one. I like that Fiesta. From I thought it was a little bit sterile, a bit a bit starchy. Oh, okay. I wasn't I wasn't keen, particularly compared to the next one, the one that is sort of you know the model before we have now, which I thought was terrific, and had a real sort of you know it was a jazziness pizzazz. to it. Had a pizzazz. Pizzazz. That's pizzazz. the word I was looking for. Pizzazz. pizzazz. It had wouldn't pizzazz. use that term in Bristol. No. no, banging the Isuzu pizzazz. Um, <laughs> <Bangin>. Sound <laughs> fresh, sound really fresh, sweet as a nut. Be... <laughs> I mean, nobody uses that term anymore, do they? Sweet as a nut. They don't. Nut. No. Sound, mate. Sound, sound. When was um, when were those Wass up Budweiser adverts? Was that ninety? Oh, was that? Yeah, that would have maybe been. maybe that was late. Or was that? Or was that sort of turn of the century? I wonder if that. I reckon that was late nineties. I think you might be right. So I still think it's within. The parameters of Bristolian um, vernacular. Yeah, oh, uh, almost certainly. Or they're, they're just about to discover it with glee. And um, well, there's uh, there's the obviously the, yeah the nineties quarter of Bristol has got um, an archivist and a historian. They're constantly trying to dig up new material that is is legitimate to use. No, but hang on, I haven't. Isn't the 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 90s quarter of bristol has someone who describes themselves as a futurologist and they're just there looking at things that came along in the early 2000s and then claiming that they're some kind of incredible soothsayer <laughs> i don't know whether you're aware of this guys but there's a band coming along and they're called cold play really what are they like well, hang on, yeah, Chris Martin, he was from, uh, or is from... He's from that way, isn't he's, he? He's from Exeter, he's, he... which is not a... Oh, not a, OK, It's right. about 100 miles from Bristol. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I don't want to just lump the whole of the <laughs> southwest together. No, we can't do that. But I'm, a, but I'm all right. I can act as the, the judge and jury on that one, I feel. Yeah. I can, I'll let that one... But Bristol, uh, yeah. I just looked this up. The WhatsApp uh, campaign for Budweiser started in 1999. There you go. It is 90s. We're there. Yeah. We're there. Oh, God. We're there. Um, well, it's better anyway, than, better so, uh, than my... at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the number of messages we've had that just say oi oi from people presumably trying to irritate you. I know. Um, I know. It's just like listening to Radio 1 Dave Pierce era again. It just makes me... It just makes my my mouth go completely straight. You know, this straight mouth emoji where it's just emotionless. Like. <laughs> what? Emotion just... But, but containing inner fury. Oh, there's there's fury in there, within. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so we were... Well, we were in the car last night with Radio 1 on because my wife insists on listening to Radio 1 when she's driving and uh, I just left it on because she always starts to moan about Radio 2 that it's too middle of the road for it if, if they dare to play, you know... Simply Red or something. Coldplay. And, yeah. Um, yeah, or Coldplay. And so, um, well, actually, Coldplay get played on Radio 1 still, don't they? They're very sort of cross... Oh, they're cross. Cross, cross stations. Yeah, yeah, they the are. secret of their success, I guess. But um, the uh, so this the, the evening, what used to be the evening session, but isn't anymore, with two sort of blithering cretins who just talk endlessly about themselves in uninteresting situations. They, were, they played this track, which apparently is on Radio 1 all the time, and my, my wife's heard it before, which they were going, yeah, we're going to play that one again. It's the Piano Man. It's crazy. It's mad. 
mad, this track. Oh, it's so, well, every time we play it, we get so many messages. People love it. People hate it. It's just so out there. And then they played it. It's just fucking late 80s house music. It was like, you know, sort of dinka dinka piano house yeah, music. Yeah, rave from, piano. Rave piano, kind of, yeah. yeah. And um, it was just that. Someone's brought that back. Fair enough. I love that kind of music. I thought it was a really good track. But it's like they was, their minds were blown by it. And I suddenly went, oh, no, I'm very old. <laughs> Well, of course, in Bristol, that's still um, current currency. Incredibly current, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, it's still legal tender over there still. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'll swap you, I'll swap you 10 minutes of rave piano for a, a couple of bags of weed. No problem. I should have taken with me like a compilation of trap music or something like or grime, anything that sort of would be outside of the 90s that hasn't arrived in Bristol yet. They'd have gone, what? Yeah, well, Jungle, no, Jungle no, of mate, course, no. is still very much... Um, Massive. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's on the it's the FTSE 100. Uh, intense Jungle <laughs> is, is on the Bristol. The Brist, Bristy 100. Yeah, it's there. You were a bit of a, you're a, bit of a D&B head, weren't you? But what, I did, what I used to love you, it. I, yeah. I saw someone um, just describing a bit of music last week as liquid D&B. And I was like, I didn't... Oh, liquid yes. D&B. There's... I have. How I have, do you define that? Well, I've been. It's smooth. It's smoother. Um, I've. I've. I have dabbled back into D and B again. Um, soulful, soulful drum and bass is really good. Be- okay. Because it's, it's. Is that with vocals on it then? Yeah, and it's just, and it's got a little bit more kind of jazz in amongst it. I, I think the best way to describe it would be drum and bass is acceptable to listen to during the daytime. Ah, right. So it's not murky nighttime material. Yeah, as such. That's the thing I find with a lot of drum and bass. It, it has to be dark outside for it to make sense. Yeah, exactly. Like this morning, it's a beautiful sunny morning here. Yeah. If I whacked on some D and B now, I think I'd probably immediately develop a migraine. It's too much. It's too much, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's it's like um, it's like those people that you see <clears throat> six in the morning, they're heading to work, and they've got a really chubby can of energy drink. Yeah. And they're chugging it, and you're going, oh, bloody hell. Oh, don't know if I could do that. Yeah. There's a street near here that I sometimes walk the dog down. And if I'm walking down there at sort of half eight in the morning, there's an incredibly strong smell of weed. And I'm like, mate, Who's doing it's that? 8.30 in the morning. That's yeah. that's quite... What, what's the rest of your day looking like? Well, that's just Bristolian. Probably not busy. That's Bristolian brute. That's simply it's simply, <laughs> a, a, simply a cologne. It's not it's not actual <laughs> cannabis being inhaled. It's just liberally oh, splashing God. hemp. This room's very musty. Shall I stick on the old Bristol diffuser? What, you mean lighter joint? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Bristle diffuser. Just get, get. <laughs> in fact, yeah, Brizzy, Brizzy Diffuser. He's probably yeah, he's doing a night. Um, so. He's he's the jungle, uh, he jungle is. night he's got going on down by the um, art college. Oh yeah. yeah, Brizzy Diffuser. Don't mess with him. Um, we, 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 we were <laughs> Brizzy Diffuser. We were talking about books. I, I had oh a, shit, yeah, yeah, I've got another book to review just quickly. Um, so yeah, Secret Fords is great, full of brilliant stories, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, you know, I mean, if you if you've ever read any of my boring car trivia books and that is your sort of thing definitely investigate secret forwards volume one and volume two because full of little anecdotes but also full stories of how cars we know came about but also cars we never got to see the mondeo chapter the original mondeo chapter is fascinating just for how many styling models they made trying to decide what it should look like 
And you realise, if you were in management at Folds, you'd have just gone, oh, my God, I can't choose. This is too, too hard. Yeah. They're all basically similar. Like, once they'd settled on the proportions, it was just sort of fiddling with details and things. And some of them, you sort of look at it and go, yeah, that's quite nice. Or is it? And you've got to think, <laughs> well, it looks nice now, but this won't be on sale for four years. What's it going to look like then? Oh, shit, this is too difficult. I don't know. Just walk so, away. And that was just the in. outside. There's a picture of the interior studio at Dunton in Essex where they did uh, did the dashboard and stuff. And there's just this arc of interior styling bucks. There must be 12 or 15 of them. And people in suits have got to walk in and go, right, Let's whittle this down to one that we're going to sign off millions of dollars to have tooling made to put it into production, and we've got to sell lots of these cars or we're in trouble. I'd just have a panic. I don't know how they do it. No. I mean, I guess the designer's job is to sort of lead the executives by the nose a little bit, but even so, it's just like it's mind boggling how much um, navel gazing and arse scratching went into that car. And also, which ultimately arrived looking quite bland. That's the thing, in, in and fairness. Then, at the end, at the end of all that journey, it, it doesn't seem that spectacular, and all yeah. that money that's been just pressure washed around, you just go. Bloody I mean, hell. the dashboard on that first Mondeo was quite good. I seem to remember at the time you sort of went, "Ooh, quite swishy." Although I remember it had like the buttons for things like the heated rear window. There was a button, and the symbol was sort of separate and lit up, and it always seemed a bit over elaborate. And you just went, "Why did you do that? Why did you put the symbol on the button?" Which they then did. So. Maybe the button uh, was cheaper at the time. Or maybe you could use the same button over and over again, mm. and then you don't have to. Yeah, probably. I mean, Ford don't spend money if they don't have to do that. Why they? Folds. Anyway, the other book uh, I want to just give a quick mention to is um, Giles Chapman's book, which I think I've mentioned before, Britain's Toy Car Wars, which I've finally finished. Not because it's hard to read, just because I've sort of had other books on the go. And, oh, so you know, it's hard to read. Have to, yeah, it's, it's very grey, light grey typeface on a, on a slightly and off-white page. It was a stressful narrative that you had to keep And it's all down. eight points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's intense. It's like reading James Joyce, but about matchbox cars. No, it's not. It's a very easy read because Charles is a very good writer. And it's it's just it's just a story of um, Dinky, Matchbox and Corgi and how they once... I didn't realise this, how they, they bestrode the world that before Hot Wheels came along... There weren't really American toy car manufacturers in any of any significance, and so they used to make a fortune selling cars in the US and all around the world. Yeah, and all made in Britain as well. Long before things were outsourced to China or Hong Kong or Macau or whatever, they were they were all they had huge factories, insanely huge factories in uh, Swansea and in Hackney in London, and they um, they used to make millions and millions and millions of cars every year to sell all around the world and they were they were hugely profitable and then Hot, Wheel, Hot Wheels came along and sort of dented their pride and their run of form and it sort of sent them into a death spiral but it's a fascinating story so if you are interested I'm going to buy thing, that and even if you think you're not you should give it a look anyway I think because it's it's genuinely very interesting so uh, yeah Britain's Toy Car Wars by Giles Chapman would be my uh, book of the month well can I, can I throw a book in this month yes I'll throw a book in of um, a chap we both know, actually, who's a photographer um, called Nick Dimbleby, um, who photographs a lot for um, Aston, Jag, Land Rover. And Mm. and, and he's, as you, if you know him, he ever since he's been a child, he's been bonkers about Land and Range Rovers. And he's brought this chunky 
definitive history of the Camel Trophy out. Oh, it's a really big book. It's it's glorious, and it and because That's... he he I I come from the same village as him, where we where we grew up, but I never knew him when we lived at home. I, I went to school with his sister. I know it's just going off piste a little bit from the book, but um, <laughs> he I remember he was in the local paper because he published a book about Range Rovers when he was fourteen. And, it went, and, and, and there was a copy wow. of it in our local library. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Fast forward to now, and he doesn't live anywhere near where that village, and neither do I, but we know one another, and he's a very successful photographer for those brands, but he's also, he he sort of collects London Range Rovers as a hobby. He's mm. got some choice vehicles, but... He has, He's yeah. put together this archive from 1980 to 2000, um, all about the Campbell Trophy, where it went, all the specs of vehicles... Um, it's got some fantastic stuff, and it's a guide to every um, every single one of those events. And um, oh wow! So even if you're not like a hardcore Land Rover guy, it's yeah. still really, really good. And it's a, uh, be warned, it's a heavy book. I mean, it's you could hurt someone if you if you swipe them with it. So I keep mine by the front door, um, just in case. Um, you know. So, but yeah, it's it's it's. I'd I'd highly recommend it, and um, he's he's done a hell of a job. And that was what he did during lockdown when photography work and sort of new car launches were put on ice. He decided to delve into an enormous archive and pull out some of this stuff. So uh, well done to you, Nick. But also, he's just he's a very very nice bloke. And it's just slightly weird that I went to, to a sort of. Grew up with well, a bus stop where I used to get the bus to secondary school was outside his house, and uh, oh yeah, it was outside his house. <laughs> yeah, it was very weird, and um, and I remember lots of lots of japery that went on at that bus stop, but none involved him because I think he is five years older than me, which means he'd left school by the time I'd started school, pretty much. So. Um, our paths didn't uh, cross. So yeah, that I uh, that's funny because I just just reminded me the last time I saw Nick was in fact at a Land Rover show. Of course it was. Of course it was. Coaster, he, coaster. he only exists at Land Rover shows during the summer months. He had, um, but yeah, he has got. He's got some good. He's got some good stuff in his his little collection. So um, you can yes. find it. Top on man. I didn't can... know about this book. That's great. I'm going to. I'm going to check. It's that out. a very sexy book. And also, yeah, if you if you ever want to follow someone on, on Instagram who takes incredible pictures and has a, a wealthy archive of Land Rover Range Rover stuff, follow Nick Dimbleby. He the man. 
Well, there we go. That concludes uh, Smith and Sniff Book Corner. Um, oh, hey, now, actually, look, guys. <laughs> do you remember? Guys, listen, look, guys. Listen, sweet. Guys, look. Here we are. Um, a few episodes ago, we inadvertently did Father and Son Story Corner because our friend Tom Barnard, uh, his. Oh, it was, he, he had a problem with voice control in a. Mercedes, and then his dad had a story about a, a lawnmower with a highly tuned speedway. <laughs> that, how could we ever forget? How could we ever forget? So um, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> so we've now had another. Well, we had basically uh, a chap called Charlie sent us a message, a good story, and um, and then his dad messaged. And we hadn't read out Charlie's story, which is very good, and I'll read it in a minute. And his dad told us an equally good story and then went, oh, by the way, you haven't read out my son's message yet. So um, I'll do them both because they're both very good stories. Um, but Charlie's first, uh, is, in fact, involves his dad. He says his dad used to work for a housing association who once in a while would ask a chap to assist in financial matters. He was known as the consultant. He was a short but very jolly chap in his 40s who, politely speaking, was rather spherically challenged and was comfortably as wide as he was tall. <laughs> as you may expect, the consultant had amassed a decent fortune over the years, very much reflected in his corpulence, much like Henry VIII gorging on five banquets in one sitting <laughs> to exude his wealth via his waistline. One day, the consultant was perusing supercars on offer at the nearest Lamborghini dealership, What's that, he inquired to the young salesman, gesturing flamboyantly at the brand new Merchilago. At which point, the salesman, peering from behind the solar eclipse created by the consultant, simply replied, I don't think that particular car would quite suit, sir. Perhaps an ingenious sales technique, because the consultant retorted by mouthing an expletive and immediately purchasing said supercar. Immediately bought a Merchilago? Immediately bought a Merchilago. <laughs> so... <laughs> Charlie says the consultant found himself consistently looking like a large panda performing a rare form of yoga in order to extract himself from his new supercar. <laughs> As such, he contacted the dealership to say he would like to sell the Lamborghini back to them. He just bought it almost as a quip to say to this bloke, listen, to be defiant, I, yeah, yes. listen, I can afford that. Here, I'm going to buy it now. And then, then quickly realising he can't physically get in it. Yes, or at least it's a struggle. It's <laughs> a panda doing rare form of yoga oh. to get in and out of it is a great description. So, uh, yes, um, Charlie says, um, while the car had barely been driven due to the rotundness of its owner, the Lamborghini dealership insisted on running a full inspection prior to its return. The consultant later received a phone call with the same salesman rather embarrassingly questioning whether the car had been in an accident. Impossible, the consultant replied stoutly. Yet the salesman advised that this once beautifully designed piece of Italian-German engineering had suffered roof damage during its three weeks with the consultant. What? As it transpired, every time the consultant had attempted to weasel himself out of the low cockpit, he had grabbed onto the roof of the car between the A and B pillar in order to hoist himself out to freedom. Repeated actions with the consultant's substantial mass had caused the side of the roof to buckle, verging on being irreparable. This led to likely the fastest depreciating Lamborghini Merchilago in the southeast of England, given that the repair bill was enough to make even the consultant wince. No way. 
So, to sum up, a, a tubby, wealthy man buckled the roof of a Lamborghini with his own mass, trying to get in and out of it. It's extraordinary. Thank you, Charlie, for that. I don't know what to say to that. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, so, but since this is Father and Son Corner, we now, uh, we now go from uh, Charlie to his dad, Kevin, uh, who sent us, this is a few weeks ago, but he, Kevin had listened to um, the podcast where we... Now, this, I think, might have actually been the Patreon-only podcast. Do you remember? Which was so long ago, you probably won't even remember this, because we, we recorded a, a show last year as a sort of spare show and then never used it, so we put it out over the Christmas period for patrons. And um, we were reading out a listener's message about his mum worked for a hire company in the 80s that used to hire out hot hatches. And they discovered that there was this guy oh, yes. who was renting hot hatches for the weekend... And then doing um, rallies in them and stuff. Yeah. Road rallies. Yeah. <laughs> Peugeot so 205. That. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was an XR2 where he finally got busted because they lift, lifted up the carpet and there were holes where a roll cage had been put in I for the weekend. I can't believe they'd done that. I, I mean, know. that's so dirty. I know. Well, Kevin, Charlie's dad, he was up to this same caper back in the day. He says, uh, love last night's bonus podcast. It brought back memories of doing a season of the Southwest Road Rally Championship in hire cars. <laughs> Our go-to was budget in Clifton, Bristol. Oh, back to Bristol again. Back to Bristol. But in the 80s, so before Bristol existed. because anyway. <laughs> um, uh, Budget in Clifton, Bristol, who had 205 GTIs for £50 a weekend. But crucially, for an extra £3.50, collision damage waiver. We didn't need a roll cage or harness, just a light for the navigator and we were good to go. The season went well, the cars were fantastic, they got a little battered, but our £3.50 investment saved us. Plus, sorry we hit a badger, was the excuse for the less than concourse condition on return. All went swimmingly until I called budget as normal to book for the weekend. But they had discontinued the 205 as they were being abused by renters. Odd that. Yeah. <laughs> I had to phone around and Max Garage in Western Supermare had a Clio available. Perfect. So with navigator Mark Milton, who went on to be an international navigator with Tony Pond in 6R4s. <laughs> Bloody hell. We set off in the Clio for the rally starts somewhere on Exmoor. We signed on and were given the event's documents, which proudly thanked this year's sponsors for all their help and assistance. Max Garage in Western Supermare. Oh, sugar. <laughs> Keeping a low profile and our fingers crossed that no one would spot what Huey had done we joined the queue for the first competitive section but a few of our fellow competitors were sniggering and pointing at us the reason became clear when we reached the start to be flagged away by an extremely angry man yep, Mac of Mac's Garage <laughs> Western <laughs> Superman no way <laughs> he must have been absolutely so steaming as soon as we finished the event, we rushed back to Mac's garage, getting there in the early hours, dropped the car off, put the keys through the letterbox and fled. <laughs> you actually <laughs> rallied. Apart from not getting my deposit back, Mac left us alone, but that was an end to the hire car adventures and my rallying days. Bloody hell, you naughty listeners. That's real. I mean, Exmoor is an epic place that's my old stomping yeah. ground for, for dry, driving and it is wonderful uh, when I'm old I might retire there but um, yeah 
Imagine being the guy that owns the garage and innocently rents cars to people to be found it's being used heavy, in heavy competition. Heavy competition? <laughs> Shit. Bloody hell. That is fantastic. Um, as an aside, Kevin uh, was the chap who turned up to the Late Break Show in Leicestershire in the Aston DBS, which I do remember seeing oh, there. Yes, I do. It was an early, it was an early riser kite. It, it just appeared out of nowhere. Like a like a street magician had just had just yes. sprinkled his fingers and it was just there. I was like, who who bought the DBS? That's cool. I don't. No, I remember that. Oh well, what a story. I don't. don't so yeah, Kevin that. has sent us a, a fabulous story. He has a, a lovely Aston. Unfortunately, I hate Kevin to the very core of his soul because uh, he heard me talking about Porsche nine nine seven GT three RSs and how it's my favourite car in the whole world. Yeah, uh, and then he went out and bought one. Oh, what an absolute! And he sent us a picture. What a flirtist! It's, it's a it's that beautiful blue, which has got an unusual colour on those. I can't remember what the, the actual name of the colour is, but it's a fabulous blue. It's kind of like almost the same colour as my old um, Jag I page. Well, he's a, he's barred. He's, he's barred cars. from any I know, future. He's banned events. unless he's got a story. He's actually sent us a picture as well, which again maybe I'll put up on the for patrons of um, of himself and his co-driver doing a road rally in uh, a hired two hundred five GTI. It's fantastically. <sighs> 80s photo because it's at night and it's sort of a bit out of focus and soft in that way that <laughs> nocturnal photography always was that's right so it was very atmospheric um so uh <laughs> thank you kevin thank you uh charlie uh father and son corner has once again done us proud that's so, so good um, that's so good that was on my that's on my list i never did anything things. quite as good as that i did it um i we I, I think it was on max power or revs magazine we did a um a feature on uh, these drift days which were um appearing out of nowhere in the early 2000s and um i decided we needed to do um a sort of let's go mental it's only a rental uh, feature and <coughs> i went to hertz and i found quite a well appointed 330ci bmw and um, I rented it, and we put drift stickers all over it. And I took it to a drift what you run day at Silverstone. Oh my god! And didn't die, and didn't crash, and then gave it back. But and it, we just we just photographed all of that in how it, how that panned out. But yeah, it, we we certainly didn't go on a stage rally. I mean, bloody hell, that's quite hardcore. The the, the, the possibilities for clouting a gatepost. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Putting a very big dent in a welded-in part of the car. Yeah, um, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I salute the chutzpah of anyone who did that back in the day when such things were possible. Do you know what? You know, back in the day, that is a term which I'm. I back in the day, if you weld back in the day to and all that, I mean, I've heard that used a lot. And again, that might have to go in my that might have to go in my cauldron of forbidden phrases. It's back in the day and oh. all that. Bloody hell, I had to talk to an estate agent the other day and it reminded me of something that is a... It's a low-level but definite slight irritation for me is people who say, in regards to, a bit too much. Okay. Do you know that one? Yes, yeah. Or with regards to. Yeah. And this bloke was like... So, obviously, uh, yeah, I will be in touch with regards to the likely price 
but uh, with regards to the shower cubicle, it definitely would need to be replaced with regards to the seals <laughs> which are leaking. And that could be, you know, with regards to the water on the floor, that could definitely be the cause. Um, but, you know, with regards to the plumber, <laughs> we'll definitely have to speak to him. And it's just like, stop saying why it's stop. meaningless. What the frig are you on There's about? There's too many layers of regard now. It's far yeah, too I know. many It's just like layers. nothing. Stop regarding stuff prick um yeah and i've forgotten about that because i just i I've, I've encountered people who do that before and it's just it's just a bit too much it's like once or twice is fine but stop saying it all the time are you it's still liaising with this guy because you need to come you need to retort with no. the, uh, on that side of things and just see if he 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 cottons on to the fact that you say <laughs> on that side of things after every sentence i, I hadn't thought about that yeah just so, sort of like not fight fire with fire but kind of fight bollocks with bollocks oh, fight ticks with ticks absolutely like kangaroos yeah just do it just throw yeah. throw a knot sot at Ticks, it. Tick it wars it. <laughs> tonight on ATV. Verbal tick wars with Philip. <laughs> I was going to say there's bloody game shows everywhere at the moment. We could maybe we could we we, we could do one. It'd be it'd be hot sort, wouldn't it? We, I, don't know, I don't know what the rules would be. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rivals of the chase. It's on about sort of five o'clock or something on a yeah. weekday Actually, I did have an idea for a new game show the other day because it's like it's a crowded market. The game show it is world, heavy, isn't it? Heavy. And there's a lot, but they're all fundamentally just asking questions. You need to find your gimmick. Yeah that dollies that up a bit. Otherwise, you just got a pub quiz on your hands. And so. Um, my idea is it's called I Won't Repeat the Question with Ross Kemp. And the hook is he will not repeat the question. <laughs> well, no shit, yeah. <laughs> so he'll go, the Greek philosopher who wrote <laughs> the epic poems Iliad and the Odyssey was who? Sorry, Ross, I didn't catch that. Could you repeat the question? No, I've told you I won't repeat the, the question. It's the point of the game show. <laughs> but sometimes he'll fuck with them. And he'll go, right, question three. And then just as he's about to start reading it, he'll just turn on a hairdryer. <laughs> or his phone so, phone so will ring. Go, be a ringtone. Yeah. Really loud ringtone. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sometimes he just deliberately mumbles in the way that he used to uh, on telly when he was acting. Uh, just He'll start whispering a bit too much. So He looks left go, and right before he says it. You know, like, yeah. uh, like it's a secret... Um, but utterance. he'll really fuck with them because he'll do he'll do the first bit quite loudly. So he'll go, okay, question four. Henry VIII had six wives, but how many? I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry, Ross, could you repeat the question? I've told you, I won't repeat the question. <laughs> Stop it! You're making uh, my nose I run. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, Ross. Um, uh, uh, is it London Bridge? No, of course it's not London Bridge, you idiot. It's so cool. Or you know, it. he'll just. suddenly a curtain will drop behind him as he's doing the question there's a helicopter there or something (laughs) or someone playing kettle drums in 1974 Brazil there's a Jamaican oil drum it's the Jamaican Jamaican (laughs) oil drum band Oh, gosh. <laughs> Ross, uh, I didn't catch the middle of that. Could you repeat the question? How many times do I have to tell you people? I, um, I, I, was, I was actually filming a barn find in um, Cardiff, so not that far from Bristol, um, ah. uh, last week. And, in fact, the, yeah. the video is going to be on the Late Break show um, by the time this, this podcast emerges. And I, I, I'd urge you all, with my non-biased head on, to, wa- uh, to watch it, because it's basically a garden full of hoarded, slimy, vandalised Porsches. But mm. when we were filming, in the, the road next 
door to where this site was, um, I think it must have been a road that was quite popular for people ringing out their engines. There was so much second gear, just like <laughs> rinsing going on. It was, and, and we had to sort of pause filming and do it again. It's like it's just too loud. You know, it was just so loud, and then and then overrun cackle, just uh, liberal overrun cackle. That's just reminding me, I was on London's North Circular Road last night and a gentleman in a Porsche 991 Turbo yeah. came alongside me. I was in my 911 and it was making the most extraordinary turbo noise. Like What, inhale really, or exhale? Both. Oh, OK. But, but just also just kind of turbo whir, you know, when it's, it's like the, it's got a snail on it so big. Yes, yes. yes. That. Like Earth movies. It sounded do. like a spaceship. That's quite like and I quite like that Earth Mover style. To, it's the turbo. Yes. it's like a turbo it idle. Like it's going to inhale everything around it. Industrial. It sounded industrial. And normally I'm kind of like, why have you done that? That oh, was yeah. a nice car. But I kind of admired that he'd obviously gone so extreme. And then he he clearly saw me clocking him. Yeah, and he just it's an average speed stretch of road, so you can't be an absolute anus, but. <laughs> He just briefly gunned it and then lifted off, and a load of flame came out the back. Ooh. And I said to my wife, I don't think that car's standard. And she went, why has he done that? And I kind of hadn't got an answer, except that secretly I thought it was quite cool. I was going to say, I mean, like you say, if it was a if it was an Audi S3, you'd think he was a bit of a spam dagger. But actually, mm. in that instance, maybe it was acceptable. I don't know. Well, yeah, it had quite a expensive private plate on it, but otherwise it looked quite... Standard. Did it have? I could see. Did it have a sticker in the back window saying "All eyes on me," but with Z's instead of S's? <laughs> Not that I noticed. Okay, but maybe just, it was just, dark. Just checking. In fairness, I couldn't. I think it was dark, so I couldn't tell for sure if he he left it all looking standard on the outside. But it looked fairly standard I, to me. So I can't compete. Fair with play that. to you, sir. It sounds cool. I can't compete with that. Hey, it was the Frontera man with the mouth breathing. That was the only oh, yeah. recent observation, motoring observation I've I've had, which did make me laugh. <laughs> it's uh, a proper krill sifter. <laughs> a krill sifter. <laughs> it's a bearded, a bearded, so we say, country, rural-looking man, and they live around yes. here somewhere because I see a rural it. man. I see this Frontera every week. And Is I, it I don't a three-door or a five-door Frontera? Oh, I think it's five. Oh, gosh. And uh, the bloke driving it, quite bearded, and um, he was driving past us the other morning, which was very frosty, so I can only think that more concentration was being applied than normal when <laughs> driving. <laughs> so the, well, the mouth went to full gate. Oh, the mouth was so fully open. It was incredible. <laughs> and I was giggling. I nearly I nearly lost control of my car because I was watching him coming the other way with his krill sifter in. <laughs> he must like this time of year, though, because there's much less risk that a rogue wasp will come in through an open window oh. and go straight into his throat. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, some cars especially ones that don't get used so much or don't get cleaned very much. There are creatures that live in the cars. And there's a spider which lives in our chimney. And I, I've cleaned the chimney numerous times. And I don't actually know where it lives in the chimney. Yeah. But it comes out and it, it creates a web over the corners of the windscreen. So I'm thinking, this bloody spider's yes. been living in the car for probably a year. But, like, yeah. people who have got mucky cars where there's more chance of survival, should we say, crumbs, etc. There's There's, like... You know, interior wildlife. 
going on. Yeah, yeah. Captain Krill Sifter in the Frontier has probably got all manner of stuff. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe he's uh, he was raised by frogs and he's actually just catching flies in there for his breakfast. <laughs> he's, a fly, he's a fly catcher. Yeah. Um, we we should wrap this up soon, but before we go, there was one other thing I put on my list which we were going to talk about. It's just that the last week's news about the death of Drive Tribe. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I don't know. Were you were you saddened by that? Not really. I mean, I I had the opportunity to work on Drive Tribe, but it was quite an unusual when it first was conceived. A couple of guys I used to work with um, were employed on it, and uh, actually, you 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 the same. I'm, I know. And it seemed like a very exciting prospect, and I know there was an enormous amount of money being waved around. But I, yes. the, I, I did, I couldn't ever work out whether it was me not being very clever, or whether I didn't fully understand how the concept was going to play out. Because I realised quite early on they wanted me to be like a sort of figurehead of a certain community and things, and to yeah, do yeah. But they, they didn't want to give me any money at all. Yeah. I know. And I was like, but I don't really understand. So why would I do that? So much money was spent on that thing in the early days. Yeah. They had a very flash office in King's Cross. Did you go there? No. No. Oh, it was a really, really swishy it. office. And it was full of people as well. You're like, what, what's everyone doing? But of course, you know, most of them were doing the the tech behind the scenes, which apparently was very good and very state of the art. But it was a little bit confusing. I remember going to a meeting where they explained to me how it was going to work. And I couldn't quite get my head around it in as much as it was like, is this sort of like social media? But it's not. But it's then they wanted editorial. So it's sort of like a traditional website. But they were very keen to impress it wasn't a traditional website. It was the next generation. And I don't think people like in the public ever quite got what it was supposed to be either. So Mm. it sort of became a forum. Yeah, just a forum. And I remember in the early days, it was like there were all these different tribes. And some of them seemed quite interesting. But it was very hard to know what was out there. And someone... I, I work with said it feels like you're sort of trapped in a walled garden you know there's more stuff outside but you're not quite sure how to get there so they did and they, they evolved it and they tried to make it uh, more easy to find stuff and and to sort of navigate generally but then it did sort of just seemingly become you're relying on users to generate content which is only how a lot of YouTube yeah, exists of course, and of Twitter course. is all user generated content and we all just sort of scroll through it you know that's that's how the internet works but the bit that I hadn't really I suppose fully appreciated and started to come out last week once they announced it was closing down was all the people who aspire to write about motorsport or cars or something in that world who'd used it as a sort of shop window to what they could do yeah. or as a way to sort of develop their skills by just doing it more it's what i always say when people go how do you how do you become a writer go well do writing just write for your own amusement because the more you do it the better you'll get and i think actually it turns out for a lot of people who want to write about cars posting things regularly on drive tribe allowed them to sort of figure out how to get better at it even if they weren't being paid it was just learning it was a springboard. how to be as good yeah. as they could be yeah and then also in a in a public place so they could go hey look i've got you know i've got this whole back catalogue here of stuff that shows what i can do and that's all gone so i hadn't realized that it sort of did play quite a an important role in that uh, in that uh, respect uh, but anyway it's it's i mean it was just absolutely pissing money out the door and they sort of you could trace the decline of Drive Tribe in their offices, which went from being a very flash place in King's Cross to a quite modest place behind a Volvo garage on a roundabout. And it sort of showed that 
I think they'd realised they couldn't just keep sluicing cash. No. Away. Well, um, I, and I, I admire anyone that's trying something new and is willing to put their money where their mouth is because it's 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 a bold move and it, it's tough. I kind of got the idea, the impression that um, that, that Jeremy w- was was having none of it pretty early on. I think he checked out pretty early. I he think, checked yeah. out very early, and obviously, consequently, went off and did farm-related matters. But um, the yeah, I just felt a bit like it became clickbaity because I think they realised to get big views and and views meaning income was to just go a bit tabloidy with the mm. with all the headlines. And it's and I understand why. You know, as a, as a YouTuber, I understand why you would do that. But if you're trying to maintain some sort of integrity or keep your kind of your voice respected, it's it's hard to come back from that just by putting lots of exclamation marks in the title and you know we hmm. we bought the world's worst car ever or whatever. Just seems a bit. Uh, well, I mean that's know you know that. I think places like Car Throttle have done quite <coughs> well on that. Yeah. And um, so it's not you know it does work. Do you think we should set up a website? Should, should Smith and Sniff be um, a portal now? Now that <laughs> Dribble Tribe is ending, or do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Have you got thirty million quid hidden under that rug? Uh, I'm just going to check. Hang on a minute. No, I've got. I, I might have enough oh. money to buy a, a Reliant kitten, and that's probably about it. And a, okay. the kitten wouldn't be roadworthy. So um, I so set up a, a an epoch defining car portal. Yes. Or buy a, an unroadworthy reliant kitten. Yeah. It's a tough choice. Or that Mondeo trailer, which I no, we're not. No, buying uh, on Facebook Marketplace, which is a place I don't go. I want everybody to know <laughs> what this. Is wrong I get forward in fa- Facebook Marketplace bargains on a daily basis, and I and I I don't go on Facebook. I'm I'm a little bit scared of it. I've heard the marketplace is a treasure trove uh, for yes. automotive things, but and I'm tempted, yes. but I don't want the baggage of association with Facebook. So, but this 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 half a Monday, you know, people cut cars in half th- and then make them into novel trailers. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a half a Monday which looks like it's had stars airbrushed on it and a boot <laughs> spoiler, and it's yeah. only 250 sheets, and it looks like the kind of trailer you'd you'd have a you know mobile disco uh, that turns up at. Is pubs. that just for the trailer? I didn't check. I think so. You don't get the car as well. We're living in a world where scrap cars are worth more than 200 sheets. Yeah, it's true. Come on, Richard. No, so I was thinking it be, might be a good Smith & Sniff tour trailer if we ever did a tour. What do you think? A homemade half a Mondeo trailer. <laughs> With stars airbrushed on it. Why don't you make it the late break show trailer? No, we're higher, we're higher end than that. But I think for Smith & Sniff it could be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this podcast very much isn't. Uh, I'm, um, I'm going to set well, up a, just a GoFundMe page for the Half Mondeo trailer, although it's probably sold by now, because let's face I it. I think, hey, if we're setting up internet platforms, how about a rival to that called Go Fuck Yourself, in which you give money to people to make their lives worse? It's a great idea. Johnny wants to buy Half a Mondeo trailer, which will become a blessed inconvenience because it's homemade shite. Yeah, his wife is threatened not if give he buys some money? it, she'll leave yeah. it. <laughs> So we bought it for him, and we put it outside we it for his him. House. through Go Fuck You, the new online portal for spite and misery. What about Go um, Go Daddy, the website provider? I always think if it was Go Comma Daddy, would that mean like just go, go away? We don't want Dad around go anymore. Go Daddy. Yeah, my daughter says that to me sometimes. Go away, Daddy. Yeah. Go. Daddy. She's four. 
I mean, although I'm sure she'll say it when she's six. She will. Well, but, it's the um, same narrative. <laughs> it's just a different yeah. year. <laughs> Start them young. Anyway, um, well, we should wrap this up. And we should do it with me saying three things, as I usually do. Uh, the first is that Johnny has a solo YouTube channel called The Late Break Show. By the time you hear this, hopefully there'll be an excellent um, barn find slash garden find video with some lovely slash rotten old Porsches in it. Uh, two, I've got various books out. The latest one is called Boring Car Trivia 3. Uh, it's packed full of boring car trivia. Of course <laughs> it's it is. Not boring. It says it's not on boring. The front. Yeah. Maybe, in, uh, in retrospect, too self-deprecating? Don't know. Anyway, too late now. And the third thing I've got to tell you is, uh, you may remember the band So Solid Crew from the early 2000s. They never heard of them in Bristol, but the rest of you probably have. And um, <laughs> one of their members is called Lisa Mafia. But did you know that Lisa Mafia's real surname is Mafia? It- I always assumed it was a stage name to make her sound threatening, but no, she is of Italian descent on one side of her family, and uh, her real surname her surname's- is Mafia, with two Fs. Is it really Mafia? Wow. Yeah, she is called Lisa Mafia. So, I mean, that wasn't even, you know, trying to... It wasn't even sort of posturing I, for... So solid stage. crew. Wow, OK. Mm. With Rome, Wasn't there Romeo? Someone was called Romeo in it. I remember that. Romeo, uh, Asher D. I mean, well, actually, there were about 162 members, so it'd take us all day. <laughs> um, and we have, much like them, only 21 seconds to go. So oh, clever. Um, we better wrap this up. Clever by saying thank you ever so much for listening we'll see you or speak to you again next week until then goodbye goodbye oh and can you rate us can you give us a star rating if you think that this is worth listening to uh, give us all the stars and just write flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 